Welcome back to People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and today I have with me Christy Doucette-Touchette, who is the Director of Human Resources at Schoolment. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so take a moment to tell us a little bit of what you do and why you do it. Um, yeah, so let's hear it. <laughs> So yeah, I'm the HR director for Schoolmont and um, HR has been my passion. Gosh, I'm probably one of these rare HR people that fell in love with this um, area of business when I was all the way back in college. And real, the reason why is because I had a very tough experience working. Um, you know, I was actually, I tell people sexually assaulted at, at, at work one time and wanted to know I want to make a difference um, in the workforce. And it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And I want to work hard with companies to um, to get there and make and make those organizations better for the people that are in it. Wow, I am so sorry about that experience, and it's really powerful to see you make a difference. You know, take that that pain and trauma and really try to improve other people's lives because of you know the information you know, the what you've experienced. So, how do you? You know, how do you find motivation when you're kind of mixing trauma with that? I think I think the motivation for me is always I I feel like I was born to serve other people. So I always tell people this, and I try to teach my kids this: life, this world is not about me. My job is to help others and make other people's lives better. And that you gain reward. That's that helps you. It helps you mentally um, to help others. So I just kind of remind myself: it's all the time. It's never about me. I have to always every interaction. I want to leave that person feeling better about themselves. Yeah, that's so wonderful. So Christy, you've been a big champion of mental health and supporting it in the workplace. So where, what are the challenges with HR and where have you seen room for improvement? I think the biggest challenge um, with our leaders is, and you know, it's, Honestly, a lot of what Brene Brown has been teaching, vulnerability, right? So traditionally and historically, the workforce is taught to be very tough. You can't show emotions, um, never show weakness in any sense. Um, but the truth is, especially since COVID has hit, uh, we have all fallen on that sword pretty hard and have struggled through a lot of mental issues. I think, you know, leaders from the CEO to HR needs to be more vulnerable and sharing their stories and talking about their challenges because it allows others to feel like they can open up in the workforce, that they can have those conversations. It gives them that safe space. It starts it starts opening up that dialogue, which a lot of people are afraid of. You know, I have no shame saying I go see a counselor. I tell my team that all the time. No, there's like, you have to be open about it. We've all been through stuff. Every single person that you meet in this lifetime has a story of something traumatic that has happened. And if we're not able to talk about it, then we just, it builds up, it builds up. And we're not able to really truly connect with one another. Yeah. I mean, I truly look at mental health, uh, you know, as a spectrum and we all have mental health. It's just, you know, where on the spectrum is yours falling, whether it's right now, whether, you know, if like me, I'm diagnosed. Um, and so I feel like it's, it, you have to, to focus on it because we all have mental health. 
we, we do. And again, talking about it, just being open, you know, when you have those stories and you go, Hey, this happened to me. And then the other person goes, Oh, you know what? I can relate to that. It's, it just, it's a deeper connection with people that you have. Um, so I love Brene Brown's teaching. I'm sure a lot of people have listened to it, but it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, and something I think that the only reason it's gotten so big right now is because people are realizing it's so needed especially in our workforces, especially there, because we talk about it at home, we talk about it with our friends, but we don't talk about it at work and we keep it very hush-hush. So uh, you mentioned that, you know, one of the challenges is HR historically being compliance driven. And now, you know, we have data, we have people science behind human nature. So can you talk about, you know, that historically uh, compliance driven mentality? Yeah. So HR has, in the past, we've been so focused on staying compliant, doing what the government tells us that we have failed. Actually, we failed our employees and our business partners within the organization because we are just, we have become known in a lot of places as that no group. <laughs> you know, HR because they're going to say no, or it's not legal or um, all these different aspects where learning to be more open and, and mental health plays a part in this, where you're starting to be more open, be creative. I think there's always a way to get something done and that benefits both the company and the employee. We just need to sit down and talk it through, um, not just focus on the legal side of it, but let's find out what else is going on. Let's talk about what, how the business operates. Let's understand psychology and sociology. What, what is causing certain behaviors in people? Why are people reacting this way? I know a lot of companies are quick to throw people away. You know, hey, this employee is not working out. Really, are they not working out? Or what is really driving that person's behavior? Let's find out. There may be something personal going on in their life. There may be something in the workforce that's triggering that. Let's dig a little bit deeper and find out what that is and help, you know, help that person along the way. Because by doing that, you really connect with people. You, you show them your care. And in the long run, your employee is going to be happier and your company is going to be more successful. Yeah. And it's so important that you mentioned it because... People don't want to do a bad job that, you know, so if something is wrong, um, for example, I had a student in my class last semester who had poor absences. So instead of reprimanding this person, I reached out and said, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help you with your success? And it turned out they were having a really hard time. So I feel like, you know, leadership in the workplace, they're it's very quick to jump to a conclusion instead of dig a little and see like, oh, there's underlying issues happening. That's correct. Our work and for workforces have been very reactive, especially I find in the United States uh, because we're so fast paced in the U.S. Everything's go, 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 that we don't stop to truly, really listen to people and take it all in because there are factors um, outside of you that is happening out to this person and understanding that. And then if there's something in your organization that this person's unhappy with, if you really sit down and listen, then you can find a solution. That's not only gonna work for that one person, but works for the whole group, all your employees. Yeah. And I want to talk about something that kind of prevents people from being vulnerable and that's boss anxiety or HR anxiety, um, you know, where there's an environment where they, you know, employees don't feel comfortable reaching out to you know, their supervisor or boss or HR because they feel like they'll get a reactive response. So can you talk about how leaders can help whittle down that, that boss anxiety? 
Yes. And I think that takes time. I think that's something that doesn't happen overnight. It is literally um, one of the, when I was working at banking, someone said this, the best trust is kind of like a bank account, right? So you have to make small deposits every single day to build up that um, wealth within that account. And it's the same thing. So every day you have to put these small deposits with your employees. You have to talk to them. You have to show that you're open. If an employee slightly opens up to you and you immediately react to that, they're not going to come back to you. Um, So you have to consciously remind yourself, I cannot react in a negative way when this person's going to come to me. I got to stop. I got to listen. And it is okay to tell people, you know, I don't have an answer right now, or I need to take a pause on that. I'm going to come back to it another day when you can really react from a better place. having that and, and it only takes one time to do something you know where you lose the trust of this person and it's like you know you take a full withdrawal out of that bank account and the trust is completely gone it happens that fast and those are the things that you have to remember as a leader because it's it's a time and it's a lot of effort and it does not happen overnight yeah and i love the the deposit analogy i there's another guest that i spoke with that used that in terms of praise so, you know, making sure you're doing little deposits of praise because eventually you're going to have to, you know, criticize someone in the workplace if they're there a long time or offer constructive criticism. So those, you know, deposits of reassurance are already there when you're when you have to make a necessary withdrawal. So I really love that analogy. Yes. And it, it helps when you think about it in those terms, just like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about mental health initiatives in the workplace, because I feel like that has been something that organizations have taken on, but kind of fallen flat, you know, get get an employee to run a wellness program and then three people show up or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And I think I think that's I think where we all fall, fall short at is yeah, organizations offer these EAPs. They have you know, we've added now mental health care and you know medical health plans and all of this and, that, and those are great things they're, they're wonderful but we're also I'll go back to that vulnerability unless you're willing to show your employees that you yourself are vulnerable and i i get mental health care and i take care of this they're they're going to shy away from it there's a stigma that still exists around mental health people don't want to admit that i got depression i have anxiety it shows weakness and if their boss or their leader is not willing to show those weak cards the employees aren't. And then it's just you end up in this, this strange environment that we keep seeing over and over and again in organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that you mentioned um, was pushing for firmer, stronger practices about around how uh, we manage performance management. So could you expand on that? Yes. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of organizations are so reactive. So if someone messes up one time or some slips on, you know, one instance, organization is quick to to terminate people. I think that's, for me, that is the wrong way. You have to think it again in psychology terms and even neuroscience, like positive reinforcement. Um, and, it, and if you quickly terminate someone, it also doesn't become about that one person. Okay, maybe they're not a fit for the organization. You've moved them out. But when you've done it so quickly with no structure, no no set processes, your employees around it, start watching this. It's not just that one employee, the other people, your good performers are watching going, man, they terminated that person. And that they did, person didn't even get a chance to know that they had any issues or anything going on. They just, they were here today and gone tomorrow. What about me? Is that going to happen to me? Um, and then what happens is that person starts to become very fearful. And whether you've met to or not, you've now created a, an environment of fear. 
uh, where people are fearful that, hey, it's going to happen to me, so I'm going to go look for another job, or my performance is not going to be there because I'm scared. Um, and fear drives down performance. It just does. So I think, you know, we have to be a little bit slower and dig a little deeper when it comes to performance management and not just quick to say this person's not a fit. Let me push him out. I do believe that can happen in certain cases, but those are rare cases. Um, and organizations really, really, really need to stop and listen and actually question themselves. What can I be doing to support this person to be successful within my company? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest connection that I made, um, you know, in our conversation so far is how much fear drives organizations sometimes, um, because you just mentioned fear. Um, and then we talked about boss anxiety and then the fear of showing emotions. You know, I think about there's no crying in baseball <laughs> from a league of their own. And that's kind of like the same mentality in the workplace. Um, so people are really afraid to be their true selves and, and show that vulnerability that's necessary to take care of mental health. They do. And that drives your organization down as a whole. I listened to a podcast a long time ago, and I cannot remember who said it, but it was one of the most impactful things that has stuck with me. Um, humans react from two different areas, right? From love or fear. And in every interaction, you can dig deep and you can really ask yourself, how, what was really driving my reaction? in this particular event. Did I do it out of fear? Was I fearful that I was going to lose my job? Was I fearful that this person's going to think I'm stupid? Was I fearful that this, whatever that fear is, did I react from that? Or did I react from a place where I really cared about this person? I want them to be successful in this company. And I'm doing this because I care so much for them that I'm willing to, to, take the hit to make them a better person. So you can ask yourself in each and every interaction yourself personally, and that helps make ensure that you're making the decisions, the right decisions, because if you're reacting out of love, you're probably making the right decisions. If you're acting out of fear, that's your ego, your prime, you know, primitive uh, reaction. And that's, that's not where we are in the world today. So you have to think those things. And I always try to question my behavior. What is really driving me in these situations? Yeah. And that fear can also cut down on employee self-esteem when they feel like they're going to be criticized or their work is going to be denied or they're going to get into trouble. They're not as courageous as they could be in the workplace. That's correct. And if you, you give those people that open space, it'd be you'll be amazed to see how fast your organization goes and how these people are people at heart want to do a great job. They do. It's very rare you're going to run into someone who's just, I love how companies say, oh, this person's lazy. Not necessarily. Most of the time they're not. It's just because they stopped caring because they were not being heard. They didn't feel appreciated. So they checked out. Yeah, absolutely. So I know another topic that you're passionate about um, is marketing and analytics. So I want to dive into that for um, the rest of this episode. So tell me about, you know, what you enjoy about marketing and analytics. I love, I've always loved marketing. It's kind of like HR. Marketing is understanding, once again, human behavior and organizational behavior. And if HR doesn't work very closely with their marketing teams, they're, they're missing a lot of Oh, there you go. <laughs> there was a lot of low hanging fruit right there because, um, you know, marketing a lot of times focuses on the external branding, but HR should work very closely to work with our internal branding with marketing because that's who we are as an organization. Um, that is what we try to sell for people to come into our companies. Um, and both 
what we give to our customers and to our employees should look very similar. Um, a lot of organizations focus so much on those customers, customer, customers, but the truth is our focus should be on our employees. And that that is key to a lot of things. And analytics, well, I always say marketing is way ahead of the game of HR, right? So they've been understanding data analytics long before HR got into the game. Um, so another great thing you can learn from your marketing partners is how they analyze data because they will be studying those clicks on those websites and understanding what is driving people on our websites. Where are those heat maps? What, what are people clicking on? What they are not clicking on? And HR needs to study this um, as well because that helps us target what we're going to do in our organization. Like where I'm at now, the majority of our workforce is millennials and Gen Zs, right? So I have to keep that in mind anytime we're going to do any initiative within the company. So all my communications need to be targeted towards you know, that generation. It needs to be, our benefits need to be targeted targeted towards that or, um, generation. What are their wants? What are their needs? Because that's what adds value to our people's lives. Yeah. And numbers tell a story and it's a very true story. And sometimes those stories can reveal a lot um, that you're not aware of. That, that's correct. And you know, when you're analytics and you're talking about the storytelling, that is one thing HR really, um, another thing that we need to get better on is storytelling through analytics. It is a, that way we can actually sway our executive team um, and say, hey, this is what's going on in your organization. We have the data to, to back it up. And this is where we can make impact. And this is how we can turn things around. And those are the pieces that our executive team relate to. It's not going, hey, um, like the traditional HR, hey, it's illegal. Not that our executive teams don't care. <laughs> they do. But they want to know, how's it going? What, what are the actual results of this? How's this going to impact us? And how's it going to drive our bottom line? Yeah. And so you also mentioned in our previous discussion about the importance of leaders, of founders, presidents, CEOs, being able to understand analytics to communicate with other people within the organization. So can you give an example of how important that is? Yes. So what those leaders can do is when they explain through numbers, the storytelling of how each of our individual departments and employees impact that mission and that bottom line, it gives people a sense of what they're doing and knowing that they are making a difference because our employees do need to feel like they're making a difference. That's part of mental health too, that they are impacting the greater good. And the best way to do that is through data analytics and storytelling. So I feel like all our executive leaders and founders should on a routine basis, deliver that message back to the employees. Um, and hopefully your employees give an avenue to where your employees can give information back to you. It should be, you know, continuously flow of discussion. Yeah. And I mean, with that, you can also identify what needs improvement, which is so important in leadership to know where those gaps are. Yes. I know some of the best places, one of the organizations I worked at, our CFO um, would do this on at least a quarterly basis where we would go over all the earnings. And what I loved about it was he also took the time to explain it in simple terms. Because a lot of times leaders will start use and especially functional areas, we'll start using those acronyms and all of these things where people are, you know, if you don't work directly in that department, you have no clue what they're talking about. You're like, what? What is an ROI? I've never heard of that. Uh, you know, those types of things where he broke it down in such simple layman terms that anyone could understand. That's another thing that leaders have to be aware. Like you, you can't speak in those acronyms. I, as HR, I can't go in front of a group and say, hey, let's talk about FEMLA. Let's talk about FLSA. You know, people are going to go, what are you talking about? Um, explain it in terms where other people can get it. Remember that 
they are walking into this for the first time. And that's how you have to treat those, those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Christy. I so appreciate your insight, how you champion mental health and how you have a very pragmatic approach toward uh, human resources. I think it's really wonderful. So, um, you know, if people want to get in touch with you or want to learn more about what you do, what's the best way they can uh, get in touch? Absolutely. They can reach my best ways on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. I spend a lot of time. Um, so just look me up on LinkedIn. I love meeting new people and connections. So I'd really just send me a message. I'd be glad to help out. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Christy. I'm Lindsay, host of People Analytics. If you or anyone you know is like Christy, who really champions employee engagement, mental health, making the workplace better, please reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.